Hello and welcome to another episode of Game Till 5. My name is Steph and I am joined by my lovely co-host as always, Nikki. Hello, Nikki. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad. I'll yeah. fill you in on my day. I'll Good. tell everyone the world about my day. Um, I woke up at 6am mm. on about five hours sleep to a very icy England. And, uh, and I went to work and had to work with people who don't apparently abide by the rules or signs. Um, and so I've come home, I'm obviously recording an episode with you, I wanted an alcoholic beverage to relax for, for the evening, for the episode, and couldn't find anything but a uh, but a, an, an opened bottle of mulled wine that is about mm. over a month old, month and a half old, tastes like an old sock. But uh, yeah, I mean, oh, and uh, this is the second time we've recorded this and I've told you that story. So that just adds to it, doesn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't, wasn't going to really mention like... that. No, I was going to say, I wasn't expecting you to mention my fuck up yet again. I shouldn't be <laughs> in charge of this. This is this is this should be taken away from me now. Yeah, as Nikki just pointedly messaged with the um, highlight reel of her day, I forgot to press record yet again. I think it's about the 15th time that I've done it. We My intro. At least I noticed um, 10 minutes in and not 40 minutes like I've done one time. It's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just just thought I'd slide that in there, but but it's fine. Um, hopefully, it will just be even better for your ears. Yeah, hopefully. I think anyway, it will descend madness faster this time. At least, probably. Again. I, I think it already has. But yeah. uh, ignoring all of that, how are you, Steph? Um, I was doing okay, but now I think the warm wine that I've found myself, um, and I'm calling it warm. And it's not supposed to be warm. It's not a red. It's not a mulled wine. So that's that's my day. Well, at least it's at least it's not over a month old and it's been sitting in your kitchen decaying. It's true. It doesn't taste like old sock. That's a no. that's a bonus point for me. Oh, I got I new know. glasses today. That was fun. I picked oh, up. Oh, that's glasses. an up. That's that's an exciting Thank thing you. that happen these days. I love that. Often. That's the highlight of everybody. I'm just. I'm so sorry, listeners. You have to listen to me being like, I've gotten glasses today. This is a highlight for me. <laughs> Oh well, fuck it. We're here now. Um, we're we're ready for this. We we may have warm wine. One of us more warmer than others, and maybe not meant to be warm. But we're here. Mm. We're uh, and we've actually got some news. Got some news today. We do. So let me let me play this drop for you. I really like how the news drop is way longer than the actual news has ever been. It is. Yeah, you're not wrong. Maybe we should cut it down. But I do enjoy the fact that it sounds a bit like the BBC or the like four Channel 4 over here news intros. Because I secretly imagine you as Mr. Jon Snow from the telly with your papers shuffling about. I know I should get some papers. I will. I will get some papers because I feel like we could do some good like newsroom ASMR kind of going on. Um, maybe actually have more news in the future as well because as I said this is the first time we've had news in months. I want to say. Yeah, years. it's been a years. while. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Time is no longer a construct in our society. Mm. I don't think. 
Nobody knows. Do you know the funny it thing? Is. Going back to what we were saying about the past recording that we just did, mm. we were actually saying about how our last episode we descended into madness and we'd gone a little bit crazy, and how now we're doing a little bit better because we've kind of like relaxed into it. We've relaxed into the the madness and we've just accepted it. But I feel like we've accelerated again, and we're going, <laughs> we're going straight back. Yeah, I feel like I just fully kicked that nest. <laughs> But anyway, the news today, unfortunately, isn't like amazing news, but it is news nonetheless. And we wanted any opportunity to bring that news drop back. So our news today is that basically due to sort of our busy lives and busy schedules, which I know is hard to believe in the current circumstance of being in a lockdown, but we're busy people. Um, we are unable to keep going with the Patreon. Um, so we will be sort of putting it on hold um, and shutting it down for a little bit. Maybe it'll come back in the future. Maybe it won't. I'm not sure. But just to kind of like save our mental states and kind of give us a little bit of a break and be able to deliver the the episodes that you get in like this for free. Um, because obviously we want to make sure that we're always able to deliver these episodes and, and everything. But we also just wanted to give a massive thank you to any the patrons that we did have. Um, we love you. Thank you so much for supporting us for all of that time. You're amazing. We really appreciate it. We couldn't have been going like we are today without your support but also thank you for listening to our fucking weird episodes and drunk antics on the patreon yeah thank you for paying for that yeah like <laughs> i feel like want. the people outside of the patreon are quite shielded by the weirdness that we've unleashed upon our poor patreon people um in fact our last episode was just us reading some game fan fiction uh, for t- for a whole two parters, and it just was the weirdest weird. thing. Weird. Really it was explicit. It was very rude. Um, I'm sorry to say you won't be probably able to access it now. Um, at this point, unless you're quick, unless you're quick and you get on that. But we just felt like you know, why not just weird everybody out for the last episode of the Patreon? Yeah, then they're not going to want it anymore, and it'll be fine that we're ending it, right? Exactly, I'd like to say but... this was our theory and it wasn't just like we found it fucking hysterical so let's put that in <laughs> that was basically it Steph was like this will be funny and I went okay Steph expecting me to not pick anything too kind of gross and weird and what did I do I picked the weirdest disgustingest fan fiction I could find and I put it out there to the world and I'm sorry that's all I'm gonna say is I'm sorry but don't yeah. worry <laughs> yeah one day maybe we'll release some of these episodes that we did for the Patreon into the world for you guys yes. listening now um maybe maybe you don't want them i mean we've just described them terribly so it's probably that's true that was only like a small percentage the rest of it was sort of fairly normal we never know we might we might give it a go depending yeah. on whether or not we reignite the patreon but anyway for now unfortunately it's going to be having a little bit of a pause but again thank you patrons we love yeah. you you are amazing and we really appreciate your support yeah thank you so much it was uh fantastic and it was a lot of fun doing it despite the weirdness that i think we unleashed upon you yeah Thus ends the news. I don't have paper, so I'm just going to tap the table. Like all new readers apparently do. I mean, go. it's beautiful. It's great. A great folio work there, Collins. I like yeah. it. Right, moving on to our episode then, I guess. Um, our episode this week is going to be all about the walking sim. Yes, so this was an idea um, that was given to us by the lovely Commander Nikki. And it's a really cool idea, actually. I'm a big fan of walking sims, but I do find that, especially researching this, a lot of people don't like them. Like, this needs to be quite a controversial game genre. Mm, I yeah, think they're very awesome. divisive. Yeah, it's um, a weird one trying to find what actually sits in the camp of a walking sim as well. It's quite difficult to find that. 
that genre yeah. tag on things but um yeah we could we'll, we'll get to that we'll discuss that sort of what we define and obviously we're going to find out what we put on our list and mm. one of us might be like no you're wrong get out i mean it could happen i don't think we've ever ended a podcast halfway through through pure bitter dispute but i like the optimism that you're giving me today true i kind of want that to happen one day now and just do a very dramatic dramaticized breakup <laughs> just then we disappear for a month or so <laughs> I, this is not a walking simulator. I am done. Good day, sir. Ta-ta and farewell. <laughs> but anyway, mm. we don't normally fight. But if we ever get crossovers, things do get a little bit bitter. And when a crossover does happen, this lovely gentleman chimes in. Oh! To tell us that we've basically doubled up on a game. Yeah. And I think we will be seeing Beedle today. I'm... About 90% sure. There's fact. only so many walking sims out there. Right. And I think our favourites are probably very close, if not the same. True. So, Beedle, get ready. All right, then. Um, With that kind of covered, top five walking sims, let's uh, get into the top five. Let's go. What are you buying? How about a game of Lucky Hit? All right, then. Who is going first this week? I don't know. I've lost track of time and space. I think it might be me. Okay, go for it. All right, then. I will go for it. So my number five in my top five walking simulator games is a game that I don't think you will have played called Proteus. Oh, I haven't. Tell me more. Okay, so Proteus um, came out 2013. I remember playing it on my PlayStation 3. And it was created and designed by two gentlemen, Ed Key and uh, David Kananga. Kananga. I really thought you said Ed Gein then. I'm sorry. Ed Key. <laughs> That would be an entirely different game. There'd be a lot more didn't make a game. human skin involved. Um, murder. Murder. Sorry, I just... I, I That was a world record of me coming in to one of your picks and just putting the tone down immediately. That That is a that is a game top five record there. I know, I like it. You're straight on it in there. And what a reference, Ed Gein. Um, I'm not going to talk about it because we are not a um, a true horror podcast. But if we were... So I'll tell you all about Ed Gein now, guys. So from the beginning? No, <laughs> That's it. We've just changed the podcast concept. We're now a murder podcast. Murder till five. That's a hit. It will happen one day. It Top will. five Def- murders. Death till five. Top five. Top five murders just sound so bad. So, it does. Like, it does. No one enjoys a murder unless you're the murderer. These are the murders that we loved the most. It's not oh, a good God. saying, is it? Okay, move on. Move on. Right. Okay. Um, Ed Key, K E Y, and David so Um, poor, poor gentleman is just beside himself being compared. Um, I'm just gonna move straight on. It is an exploration version of a walking sim i mean walking sim is that it's a game in which you don't really have many other mechanics other than to move around um a lot of them are described a bit more like narrative kind of uh narrative games or interactive stories i'm not sure but this one um actually doesn't really have any narrative or anything to it it is just a purely exploration game 
So you walk around this procedurally generated island, um, which means all the trees, hills, structures, and wildlife you find are different pretty much every time you play it. Um, it's in this really cool pixel art kind of style, so it's very simplistic in its art, but it does look quite nice. You walk as you walk around, the seasons and stuff change, so you do get to see that world change colour. There's a really nice view in autumn and spring, summer, winter. You know the seasons. You're not idiots. Um, like I said, though, there's no real narrative or goal to the game. It is literally just wandering around, looking at things. On there the must island. be something there. There must be something that you have to do, surely. No, that's it. It's just kind of, that's it. You walk around. The one kind of cool thing that can drive you through it, I suppose, that you could almost call it a goal, but it's a bit of a stretch, is that the music on the island changes depending on the player's movements and location. So, for example, you walk past a tree or a flower and you'll get a certain sound. Um, the way that the audio is then worked into the game um just yeah just basically means you get different soundtrack every time you play as well which is a very cool feature um but again it's difficult to other describe it's gonna be a very short entry i think um because that's pretty much all i have to say about proteus um it's a very calming experience because like you said there's no real narrative or thing driving you there's not some darker meaning behind this game it is literally just wandering around um but I do have a fun story, and I think why I feel this game is probably the, one of the most calming games I've ever played. Mm -hmm. um, we'll take you back to a time living in Canada, and we'd been out for a drink. It was about 2, I want to say 1, 2 a.m. when we got back. Um, and we brought two of our Canadian friends back with me, um, us, me and my partner. Um, and we were trying to quiet them down because at the time we lived under my like partner's uh, parents' house, like in the basement. And we were trying to get them to quiet down these two guys. So we were like, you know what, we'll just put the game on and then they, they can sit and play this. And the what game we picked to quiet them down was Proteus. And they were just staring at this screen, wandering around in complete awe for about an hour. Just not really doing much, just being like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. We thought they had to be high. Like, they must have played <laughs> something else. Just the reaction to the game was just instant and just like, Oh my god! What am I? What am I doing? This is this is amazing. They were just blown away by it for no other reason than they were just wandering around watching pretty colors go past, and they were still talking about it about a year afterwards of being like, oh, "We should play that game again." Do you think it was quite a different thing then? Because I feel like now most people wouldn't wouldn't like become maybe kind of like awe of something like that. But do you think because the walking sim was relatively quite new still at that point, it was quite kind of wonderful yeah i think you're probably onto something there for sure um there wasn't really anything like it around at the time and to kind of go into my facts a little bit about this is um although it won the best audio prize at um i think it's like a 2011 indicate awards um it actually is used in a lot of discussions and actually was involved in creating a lot of discussions around video games as art and whether actually it needed mm -hmm. to be classed as a video game at all um, yeah. So just a lot of things around, like, what is this thing? Is it a game? Could we call it a game? Is it more of an experience? And mm. in that case, is that not a game anyway? Like, it's been in a lot of those discussions. So yeah, I think you're right. And it was around that time when these things were kind of first coming out around, you know, journey kind of time. So yeah, I definitely think you're right. It's probably 
time frame now i'm not sure if you brought it out now outside of like a student art project that you'd get much of a reaction mm. to it yeah it was pretty probably pretty innovative back then mm. but one thing interesting the second fact that i had about this was that the game's development actually first started back in 2008 um oh, wow. but it started life as an open-ended um rpg akin to stuff like the elder scrolls oblivion really yeah, they wanted to make something like that, but because of the work involved in creating that kind of game, like that's a heavy, heavy lot of work. A lot of people need to be making that kind of game. Um, they eventually just redesigned it to be a non-traditional, non-violent game, and and I think they got more experimental. And I think Dave Kananga was the audio um, director, and I think he had a lot to do with the steering of it towards this experimental um music and audio game rather than you know the crazy elder scrolls next skyrim game that everyone so what, what you're saying is this game was born out of laziness pretty much i think <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it i love it i just love that reasoning we, we were gonna make another skyrim but we were like nah i mean i think laziness is a very harsh term i think are you sorry more... I've, these, these people hate me already i've may as well just keep thinking my whole <laughs> right game calling them lazy <laughs> i mean no i mean in truth in talking about like development and stuff to make something like the next elder scrolls you're talking about you need at least a minimum of a team of i would say 30 people minimum you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if they're talking about like this, it's just, it wasn't going to happen. It's a more realistic game for, I think, the team and the budget that they had. Well, it obviously was very successful. I think there's definitely a few games which I'm sure we'll talk about in the beginning that were kind of like the first few kind of genre-defining, I think, walking simulators. And mm. by the sounds of it, especially with the time time frame of this one, it sounds like this was definitely definitely one of those ones. So don't hate me, game developers who made this game. I was only joking. I'm going to tag them in all our Twitter posts this week. Just no, so please don't. They can add please me. Don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's Proteus. That's my number five for the walking simulator. Nice. So I think this is a little bit late, but I feel like we should have a quick kind of discussion about what we define as a walking simulator. Because just talking about that was making me think, and it was making me think about what I was coming across earlier. Mm. And I think, I mean, this sounds like the perfect example of a walking simulator, but I think for me, in my personal opinion, is a very fine line with walking simulators. Because generally, yes, I think any game where you're walking around, because any, any game could be defined as a walking simulator because you're walking. But yeah. walking with no no kind of obvious puzzles and not like yeah. a heavy dialogue options because for me kind of walking sims kind of take the point of your being pushed through a world almost and a narrative is being told to you but you do not have like too much to kind of interact with a very light interaction i think and so there are some games that i found on some of these walking sim lists that i'm like uh, and then I've thought about it. I'm like, no, I guess it is. It's a really tough one. But I just wanted to get your kind of viewpoint on it. No, I'm very much in the same camp as you. I think I had a thing in my head when I'm classing a walking simulator. I think mostly like no puzzles is a great thing. Um, things, I don't know if you've played the game called The Witness, but that's essentially yes. could be classed as a walking sim, but it's all puzzle based. So technically it's not really because, you know, your main drive is to do something yeah. and do all of these puzzles. Um, and a lot of the games I was kind of coming across where I was like, is this one? I think I looked at Rhyme as well, but I was like, actually, there's a lot of platforming in that. Nice. It's a puzzle, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of puzzles in that. So I think I've also gone with a good thing of like, I can't jump very much. 
Mm. Not like yeah, it's almost like uh, a crouch doesn't. But then it's hard because I think there is actually one game in which you crouch in. But it depends. It depends how much movement you're doing, how much. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it is. I think. Yeah, there's a, there's a very fine line, and I think actually quite a lot of these games, when looking at their like maybe some of their Steam pages and stuff, some of them didn't even have Walking Simulator listed in their, you know, their genre tag things but mm-hmm. i think for me i was like well that what else would you call this like i know exploration is a thing but when we're talking about exploration surely that is just the part of the walking sim you know it's just something you get out of it so yeah it's very it's a difficult thing i think that we're trying to nail down in. yeah because i think if somebody signed up for an exploration game but then got the kind of walking simulator say a kind of mechanics we're talking about they'd be heavily disappointed because I think yeah. they would think that they would be exploring, doing stuff, talking to people, doing things like that. Whereas, like, with a walking sim, like, when it's slapped bang on it, I feel like you know what you're getting. And to be honest, I I would go for that. Like, if something said it was a walking sim, I'd be like, cool, this is probably going to be a nice, low-effort journey. Almost like a movie, but a little bit more interactive. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's weird. I think there's lots of weird things because now yeah. I'm in my head going like well what if I took this game and then removed this mechanic would that make it any uh, walking simulator it's very confusing um it is so yeah I think we'll just judge them as we come I'll just tell you whether I disagree or mm-hmm. you know if we put it out to our audience you can tell us if you think we're true absolutely not tell us if we're completely wrong we don't mind we don't mind we accept it um, so my number five is a game that I have unfortunately already spoken about because as we said there is only a limited amount of these games really. I spoke about it probably a while ago so hopefully all of you have forgotten. Um, my number five is definitely a walking simulator and it is Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Nice. Not a crossover? No I've not played this one. Oh, I keep. I think I kept telling you to play it. I know um, it's in my list. So I won't delve on too much about it, but I'll give you kind of like a rough overview. So Everybody's Gone to the Rapture is an adventure game developed by The Chinese Room. Um, It's a story-based game, obviously, and it takes place in a small English village, I think in Shropshire. It's it's got a lot of kind of farmery farmery accents in there that I love. Um, As you can imagine, everybody has gone to the Rapture, so everyone's disappeared. as you as you could probably assume from the title my favorite thing when i googled this and sort of general reviews on it to see whether people were thinking about it was hilarious one guy's review was something along the lines of well this has already been spoiled for me because clearly there's nothing there everybody's dead so why would i play this and i was like wow today maybe to find out why everybody's gone to the rapture yeah nobody's curious about this like <laughs> so um so uh, to be honest immediately it kind of like was I, I found it quite an in, intriguing title because mm. one the word rapture I associate with Bioshock so I was really kind of into that I love to be honest with you in 2016 when this came out I, I was into sort of post-apocalyptic kind of apocalyptic situations where everyone yeah. disappears um now not so much now no. I probably wouldn't want to play this game because it's a bit too close to home I think <laughs> Oh man, so this is a little bit of a segue, but um, recently I've noticed that Amazon Prime have a new like TV show, I think. I think it's a TV show anyway, but it's basically about this, um, like it's a fictional thing, if this virus like ended up being like a four year thing. And I'm like, Amazon, this is this is too close to real oh, life. No. Like 
I was just like, why have you done this? I don't want to know what's going to happen if this lasts four years. It's It could very be a possibility. Who knows? I was just like, Amazon, no, this is terrible. What have you done? No. Well, that's it. And, yeah. you know, may, maybe sales for this game have probably also plummeted because nobody wants to be exploring an old English village where everyone seems to have just disappeared and houses are just left abandoned because... It's just too much, you know? Yeah. But back then in 2016, we knew nothing of what was dream. to come. So yeah. I had fun. Um, it is considered a spiritual successor to the other walking sim, Dear Esther, um, which was also by the Chinese Room. Mm. So it's it's a cool game. As I said, it's set in a small English town, which I really enjoyed. And to be honest with you, it was one of the things that drew me in. And the reason being is I feel like there's hardly any games that are set in such in such a place like i feel like most games are always set in the us and if they're set in in britain at any point it's either like way back in the day in like victorian times or whatever mm-hmm. um or in like the london in london or some sort of like cityscape but to to have a game story in a little shropshire village just felt <laughs> really kind of intriguing to me and i was like this is cool um so as you imagine you kind of walk around it's very walking simmy you do not get to really do anything apart from poke a few little bits and objects and listen to some telephone conversations listen to some radio conversations it kind of like leads you in and you kind of find out what's happening you get to hear like cute little conversations between all the villagers some little like village drama um and the voice acting is is really great but i think that's something that has to be very good in a walking sim because primarily it has to look good, it has to sound good, and the narrative has to be good. That's kind of like my three main things. Um, so you're wandering around, you're discovering stuff, and I'm obviously not going to give away what actually happens. I'm not a huge fan of the ending, I won't lie to you. Sometimes I feel like walking sim endings feel like they have to just go, like, crazy. And, uh, mm. yeah, but that doesn't matter, because the journey and the way I felt along the way was kind of what meant most to me. And, uh, and I really like the eeriness of a walking sim. I like a kind of spooky walking sim. I don't know what it is. I just like feeling quite unnerved. And especially one mm-hmm. where there is nobody around. <laughs> That's like the most unnerving, to be honest. It's like my fear. I'm really scared one day that I'm just going to wake up and it's going to be like some 27 days later shit. And there's going to be no one around. And I'm going to be like, hello? That is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Nobody wants that. <laughs> no because can you imagine like but it gives you that feeling it gives you that feeling of just like where the fuck is everybody like there's things that are just left out like splayed out on like bedrooms doors are open you know this just entire place has just vanished and you have absolutely no idea why and it's absolutely terrifying and yeah it's it's not it's not cool but it, it really gives you that vibe and i think that's one of the reasons why i put it in my number five i did was thinking about interchanging it out but i just thought no the this the kind of spooky eeriness it just gets you yeah there is something very nice about walking sims that have that kind of eerie nature and i think you've nailed it it's looking at stuff when you enter like a house and stuff is just strewed around like someone was just here and you just mm. miss them it's not yeah. all tidied away or empty rooms or covered up things it's just like you know, if I disappeared from night right now, like the computer would still be running and there would be a blanket and, it gives, and things and Yeah. Behind. It gives you this vibe of always watching your back. Because when I was playing this mm. game, I was constantly looking out windows. I was constantly scared that someone was just going to go boo and just appear or something was going to happen or I was going to find somebody. And uh, I'm obviously not going to tell you if that happens, anyone out there, because I want you to be thinking that might be happening. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah like it gives you that kind of like that fear because you would be like that you would i think the more you obviously don't see people which we can all relate to now yeah the more you're scared of them mm, yeah i think i know what you mean it's just the non-ending building of yeah of not seeing something i, I guess it's the same thing with like horror movies and stuff right like until you see a creature it's the t- most terrifying thing in the world or if you just see little so bits true of it, yeah um, it, and then when you see it in your, its full view it just loses something of its nature You're like oh okay i think i get it now it's a real yeah, thing 100%. your imagination like, i would think is much worse than <clears throat> reality like when you watch an alien horror movie and then yeah. you're really scared and you see the alien and you just go oh my god what the fuck is that like, yeah exactly. not, not in a good way <laughs> No, I think the only exception to that room rule room is rule is uh, the actual aliens from Alien. That's true. Those things are terrifying. Other aliens are jokes. Yeah, right. I'm kidding. That was mean. Um, So yeah, I only have one fact because I think I've used up all my facts for this game previously. Mm. And the only fact is a pretty boring fact, which is that developers were inspired by the very British apocalyptic sci-fi of the 60s and 70s, like John Christopher's The Death of Grass and Charles, Eric Main's The Tide Went Out. And you can kind of see that kind of 60s, 70s kind of spooky vibe, the eerie mm. vibe and, and stuff. Yeah, it's cool. I, I have no more to say than that. I've got no more facts. It's just, it's a cool game. And if you're into walking simulators and you want to go hang out in a Shropshire village where there's nobody um, to go for it. Yeah, if you want a taste of rural England at the moment, go for it. Yes. It's probably one of the most accurate depictions of England I think that I've seen in the game. And it's no. not even that accurate, but compared to what we get, it's accurate. Yeah, there's a there's a realism there. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely one that I've wanted to play. I've just never gotten around to, to putting it on. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. What is your number four? My number four, again, I'm not sure if you've played this game, but I think you've heard of it. It's called The Unfinished Swan yes i've actually played a little bit of this I'm oh you played a little bit talk about it yeah so this was developed by giant sparrow who have done some other time walking things but i won't mention them now um it was again i think released for the playstation 3 so it's around that kind of era it's an older game now but the game is about ex- again exploring the unknown you start off the game in a completely white space and to uncover anything and to uncover anything you move through this environment, you have to throw these paint blobs in these splatter and kind of reveal different shapes and different buildings or, you know, rocks and things like this that are actually in this 3D environment. And it's a really cool mechanic. And this mechanic is one of the reasons where I was a little bit skeptical about putting this in here. But I think it's still a walking sim even with the paint blobs because i think the only other description you could put in it would be like a fps which i don't think it is either because it's in first person you know what i mean it's just it was confusing i i think that it is like in my opinion everything we've spoken about i would say that i classify there is a little bit of mechanic there but that's like the only mechanic yeah, and that is to help you then walk through. It's like being guided by something else, like instead yeah. of a voiceover, even though there are voiceovers and narrative and voice acting in this game, the main drive of getting you through this game is to throw these blobs. And it's just a really cool mechanic. And I think this mechanic works really well and it plays into the plot as well. Um, I won't spoil the whole plot. I'll just kind of tell you the kind of start of it. Um, you basically play as a young boy named Monroe who has recently lost their mother. Uh, she was a painter who was known for like never f- 
finishing any work. She created like 300 incomplete paintings in her lifetime. And when Monroe is told by the orphanage that he's moving to, that he can only keep one painting, he chooses the painting of an unfinished swan. However, during the night, the first night that he's there, Monroe wakes up to find that the swan is missing from the painting. So he chases it to try and track it down. And that's how he ends up in this completely white void. And the rest of the story is him trying to catch up with this one by throwing plane bombs around and going through this strange world. So it ties in really well with the mechanic. Um, and there's a lot of nice stories in there and there's some twists and turns in, in the story as well. It's not super straightforward or childish. It can get quite dark at times. So it's just nice. It's a, it's a really good game. I really enjoyed playing it. It's quite satisfying to throw the blobs around, you know? Yeah, I so I didn't actually finish this game. I think I got it for free at some point. I can't remember where it was. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the mechanic and I, I still really need to go back to it. I think it's only a short game, so I'm, I have yeah. no excuse really. But yeah, no, I, I did I did really enjoy it. It was such an interesting thing. It felt, when I played this, it felt, it felt like art. This is, I think, where the line comes in with the whole is it art or is it a video game because i've i've never seen anything like it and yeah yeah i i don't know it's really hard to talk about because it's like without being able to, for someone that hasn't played it it's really hard to describe but it's just visually it's incredible and what it i remember in the beginning it doesn't really tell you what to do i think you're in like a white room like a white you just see white right and then mm, you yeah have to press a button and then you kind of figure it out and I remember going along and just being like I like the fact that kind of just puts you in the situation so you're like shit what do I do like do I just press a button and then you press the button and then you kind of like you're slowly working it out and I really enjoyed that it made me feel like I was in some kind of science experiment for some reason I enjoyed it nice I mean I like it I like that you're open to these experiments done with you it's good to know but yeah, you get lots of different you get some more colours in the end as well and I found it really satisfying to almost fill the area that you're in with the paint blobs and reveal everything. It's quite a satisfying feeling, but you're right. Yeah. It's very intriguing. It's definitely an interesting mechanic. It's not really one I've seen used in any particular other game before that, especially. I think since then, there's been a couple of similar... There was one called Beyond Eyes that came out that was around a... Uh, I think it was a blind girl who could hear things and she was shaping out depending on what she could hear. That was oh, a really cool. nice watercolory version. And that was kind of felt like a bit of a spiritual successor and I never played it, but I always wanted to because that's it kind of felt like those two were quite connected. Mm. But yeah, that's the only other really those two that I've seen do this kind of thing. So it was really cool to see. Um, it was difficult to find any facts about this this game, but I managed to find one. And mm -hmm. that is that at the top um, of a room there is a ladder climbing up this ladder will bring the player to a telescope and then if you look through that telescope and zoom in you can see the characters from the game Journey Oh wow! which I thought was a weird connection until I found out that this game was also published by Santa Monica Studios right? who are a big PS3 and I'm pretty sure that's um, other than God of War which I know they did they also helped out on Journey so yeah, there was kind of those those in there. But yeah, that was the only fact I could really find about it other than Eric... Um, I don't know, Eric Idle's in there. One of the Monty Eric Idle? Terry oh. Gilliam is in it. That's it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, That's and he was cool. a Monty Python person in there and I couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs> but yeah, yeah Terry Gilliam. Does it some voice cool. acting. Yeah, 
um it's great it is good fun so yeah i definitely recommend that one but yeah that's my number four nice okay my number four is a game that i know you have played it might be a crossover i'm not sure but the reason i know you played it is something that i will obviously um say in a minute is the vanishing of ethan carter oh okay cool no not a crossover no um so this one the reason i know steph has played it is because we discussed this in dan from the greatest story ever played uh, podcast episode um if you want to want to go back and listen to that we did that probably about a year and i don't know time yep Some time, time is gone but we did it and it was fun and uh we basically all played this game and we talked about it and i think it's kind of stuck with me mostly just because of the the like the plot especially towards the ending they they walking sims love a big plot twist at the end a big dramatic yeah. thing that happens um but to give a kind of little bit of a backstory the vanishing of ethan carter was made in 2014 it's classified as a horror adventure game and it was developed and published by the astronauts which is a great game developer name it's set it is set in an open world environment and from what i remember like you're you're thrown in and you're like this detective dude and there's this great narration from what i remember yeah and uh it doesn't it doesn't hold your hand you're kind of like put right in the deep end and you're kind of just told to explore and try and solve the deaths of this thing going on with the carter family because i think the little boy from the carter family is like written to you about this big mystery that's happening and because you're like this suave detective man you're coming in there and you're like i'm gonna help but you turn up and you know as per with a lot of these games it seems you're completely on your own and yep. you're having to wander around fiddle with things and as i said about it not holding your hand it really doesn't you really have to try and understand these mechanics and it doesn't help you it doesn't help you at all which is not something that i necessarily enjoy because i think i had to consult a few walkthroughs for this and i got very frustrated but i forgave the game because generally it was intriguing and a lot of weird stuff happened and there were a few times where i uh, shit my pants not really but <laughs> metaphorically like there's a weird fucking thing that happens like it's not really spoiling anything but there's a bit where you're kind of in this long grass and there's just this weird noise you're in this long grass in this forest bit because i i was wandering around everywhere like yeah i was just going into every crevice and there's this kind of weird eerie noise and it really puts you on edge because you're like one there's nobody around and there's maybe some dead bodies around and so that's obviously not going to get you feeling that comfortable in this new place you've never been before and when you're in this long grass and suddenly you see a fucking astronaut in front of you. I can't remember if you did that in your playthrough. Yeah, I did that. It's worth noting, I think, like you said, I don't know if you did it, because you can miss stuff quite easily. You can just yes. walk straight past stuff. But yeah, no, I found that astronaut and I did the same thing. It was interesting, like, <laughs> stop dead being like, oh God, what's going to yeah. happen? It's This is the thing, what I was saying earlier about walking simulators. Like, actually, I don't even know if I've said this or I'm just talking, like, just this is just a conversation with myself. Um... I love a horror walking simulator. I love the eerie. I love the creepy. It's so good. And the reason being is because you have no way to defend yourself. There yeah. are no hiding tactics most of the time. You're just this random person that's skin and bones, just much like the real world, who can do nothing. You're so vulnerable. I know it's a game. I know it's not real. But it gives you this feeling of vulnerability. And when you're in a situation like that, and there's especially where there's dead bodies hanging around, and someone's been murdered... And you're just by yourself. Worst nightmare. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> you're doing stuff. You're trying to to kind of recreate these these things that have happened so you can solve them. And there are these weird mechanics where you basically get to watch 
scenes play out. So like, I don't know how he does this magical powers maybe, which is a mechanic that I think definitely is utilized later on in a lot of walking sims, but also is utilized in other games. I think you see it a lot in Detroit Become Human a little bit with like being able to, to watch mm. the kind of dynamics. It's something that's happening a lot yeah. more now. And uh, and it's cool, it's cool. It's an interesting way to tell the story, but that is probably the most, I would say, mechanics-wise that you get out of it. It's just putting together the scene and then watching it. That's it. You don't really get to do anything else. You can't defend yourself. Um, anyway, not going to give any spoilers, but it's, it's a cool game. I, I think that it made me think, I think that's one thing I like about Walking Sim, if it makes yeah. you think, makes me a bit creeped out and kind of just engrosses me to want to find out more. And it does that. It does that quite well. Yeah, agreed. I think that you're right. It nails all of those things. There's some definitely spooky vibes to it, even if all it is is you're just talking about murder a lot. You know what I mean? But I murder. think watching some, watching some of those scenes is can be quite unsettling, really. And I think yes. that puts you on edge quite early on into the game and then once you have that idea that there is a murderer walking around in your head you're kind of always then expecting them to appear somewhere mm -hmm. and i think especially when this kind of came out it was the era of the horror walking sim a lot yeah. of things came out in the same time and some of those are a lot worse than others and things like all these first person things i think like when we're talking about Resident Evil, uh, evil, you know, bio, whatever it is, whatever the terrible biohazard, biohazard. Yeah. I want to call it Bioware, and then I was like, that's not it. And then I wanted to call it Bioshock, and I was like, that's definitely not it. <laughs> I was like, Bio something. It's, um, it's been a long week. Yeah, I think that my brain's just fried. But it, you know, those feel a little bit walking to me. I know you get guns and stuff in it, but the very early part of it you are just walking around exploring stuff and you don't have anything to defend yourself and i think with the introduction of a lot of those like you said it's it just really creeps you out you like you you said it already it's just the vulnerability that you feel yeah the game wants you to feel vulnerable yeah it likes to put these things in your head and confuse mm. you with weird things like the astronaut yeah don't even get me started then. there's a there's a bit in a graveyard right which i know sounds spooky already but it's not too bad it's quite a nice day you just chill yeah. out in a graveyard and then you just see this crypt and then you look down in this crypt and you're like i know that i've got to go down there but all you can see is just darkness going down to this crypt and just silence and yeah. i'm like i stood i stood there for a good like 10 minutes i think i went and got a drink and i was like oh and I went down there and it was like pretty much fine. But like it's that yep. thing, isn't it? It's the fear of the unknown, it's the vulnerability, it's the it's exactly what saying is saying about horror movies, is it's the fear of not knowing what's there. If yep. you know what's there, if the game if the game gives you a gun and goes, Oh, spooky walky aliens are gonna come get you, <laughs> I'm kind of like, fuck it, bring it. But if I yeah. don't know what the fuck could happen, yeah, it's 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 very clever. And I think that's one of the reasons what draws me into a lot of these games is because a lot of the time there's not a boogeyman at the bottom of the crypt or anything like that. But it's the fear that there might be. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And I think this game plays on that a lot. Yeah, it really does. Um, it's probably the most kind of horror walking sim game, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, there's a few others, but I'll mention them later. Um, I don't really have that many facts either. I've got one that the game was developed by three former People Can Fly employees, which is apparently a game development company um, who had previously worked on first-person per shooter video games with the company. I think 
I looked it up and I think maybe they worked on some Gears of War stuff and some other games. I'm not really sure, but they were not kind of story heavy mm-hmm. games that you you know you would see like this one. So I think it was a new thing for these guys to do that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and also that the setting in particular, which I think is one of the most beautiful parts of this game, is the way it looks, the forest, the kind of it's almost like a bit of a mystical town, a, a village. Like the yeah. the architecture is very interesting, very different to what to what I've seen before in games. But apparently, it's because it takes inspiration from the Polish. I'm going to say this completely wrong. Karkonosi Mountains, um, and I think because I think potentially maybe one of them is Polish. I'm not quite sure. Um, so obviously, it's quite relatable to them. But they also use something called photogrammetry technology oh, in order yeah. to create the game environment. I don't know what that is. I can you tell you do. what that is. Um, so that is basically in a person who is definitely not an environment artist, I will say that. Um, it's to get something that is very, very real feeling to the, to the extreme, a environment artist can almost take a picture, a 360 kind of degrees picture of like a tree trunk and then instead of creating textures in which textures are basically the things that make stuff look like things so you can model something and it will just look like a gray blob like a you can model a tree and it will just look like a gray blob version of a tree and then you wrap a texture around it and that's what it gives it that tree look like that's what you get the bark out of and stuff like that um and so instead of a artist having to make that either in something like photoshop or paint it you can go photogrammetry and kind of map it straight onto your thing and that can make it look even more real and i think it also affects the modeling side of it as well uh, like i said i'm not an environment artist i have just seen a couple of environment artists use it in front of mm. me um so yeah, that's my basic knowledge. But it is it cool. cool. It's a very interesting yeah. technique. And yeah, you can get some really cool results if you know how to use it well, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, Vanishing Booth and Car, definitely an interesting walking sim if you're more into kind of like the horror eerie side of things. I, I do recommend it. I, I think it's very good, but just be wary that you're in for a, a, a bit more of a less handholdy game and it doesn't necessarily guide you in the way that other things do. I think I got stuck at one bit for ages because I couldn't figure out the buttons so it wouldn't tell me. Um, yeah, so just, just be wary that. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially around the time when you first start trying to recreate the scenes that you mentioned, yeah. around that time I think I struggled. But um, yeah, for sure. it is a good game. It is. Nice. It is. So yeah, so my number four cool um so my number three i think we're getting into the land of crossovers now i'm ready i'm ready all right so my number three is firewatch yep oh that was my number two oh no i'm so sorry okay um we can talk about this together then firewatch is by um a development company called campo santo I can't remember when it came out, so if you have that date. 2016. Yeah. It feels like it came out a lot like closer to us now than 2016. But I think it's because I played it quite late in comparison to, I think, a lot of people. But it's yeah. a really good game. I know, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. it, it feels like it was... I, I feel like... Actually, it's come out on the Switch recently. I'm thinking about getting it on now. I was going to say, I feel like I... You know, it's sometimes it's been enough time for you to replay a game. I'm thinking, well, mm. that's enough time, isn't it? Enough yeah. time's passed. I, I think you might be right. I think you might be right on there. As as probably explained by our topic this week, this is a first-person walking exploration game. <laughs> uh, 
as is listed no on Wikipedia, right? <laughs> <laughs> you play as Henry, who is a fire lookout in the Shoshon National Forest, and it's the game is set in 1989, which I completely forgot that it was a thing set in, you know, around the 80s, rather yeah. than times. I think it was meant to be set like a year after the Yellowstone fires of 1988. I think it's got yeah. like a bit of a real life thing there, which is quite cool. Yeah, I think that was why they were like hiring more fire lookouts and getting more people to go and work at the Digital National Forest because of the, the Yellowstone fire. Um, and that's what this is about. Um, and basically about a month or so into Henry's work at the fire lookout, some strange things start to happen to him and his supervisor, Delilah. Uh, who works? Who he works with, but you never see. You just talk to her over the walkie-talkie. Um, I think what's really cool yeah. about her is just the different ways you can have a different kind of a relationship with Delilah. Yeah, you can be a real sassmeister, or you can be really like nice. It's totally up to you. There's a few different ways you can play it, and I like that. Yeah, you can definitely like. She gives it back as well. She's quite a yeah. sassy lady. Um, you can kind of get a bit flirty if you want to, which is always nice. Always like a bit of flirting over a walkie-talkie. <laughs> I think the way that this game looks is really cool. I won't go into the story. I've kind of said about as much of the story as I wanted to say. I don't know if you had any more to add about the story, Nikki, but... No, I was just going to say, like, obviously that kind of develops their relationship and you kind of find out more about the general area and things, but that that's it really without giving too much away. Yeah, it's definitely a game you need to experience. I think a lot of these games is going to be difficult to talk about plot because that's pretty much all they've got. So, you know, if I spoil the True. plot now, you'll just have a worse time. But it's a good plot, I think. Um, I really like the art style in this. Um, this was Ollie Moss, who is a director of this game. And I don't know if you heard of Ollie Moss before this, Nikki, very much. He is a graphic design illustrator, um, particularly known for his reimagined movie posters and his particular style. It's very oh, much like this cutout paper yeah. feel. I think he even did the cover art for a game called The Resistance 3 yes. back a long time ago. Um, when I was doing my illustration stuff, I really enjoyed Ollie Moss. It was one of those things where he was super more graphic designery feeling and it just the work that he did was always beautiful, like the way he used colour. And then he became the director for this game. Um, and I think it really shows in not only the Firewatch poster, the cover art kind of thing that you get for it, but I think just in general, the way that they use colour and shape and stuff in this game a lot of the time. Do you know what, I, that's a really amazing fact because we must, we've spoken about this game a lot, but we don't think we've, ever spoken about this fact because i realized there's so many like video game ones that he's done as well these posters and i look at like the firewatch and i'm like they're so on point i love it yeah it's cool really he's, it. yeah he's got a lot of cool stuff i don't think he works for campo santo anymore unfortunately i think he's mm. did some stuff on um for valve now but yeah this just really shone i think for him in the way that mm. this this looks i think the map i really enjoyed look at using the map in this game to navigate around i don't know how you found it but it definitely reminded me of doing hiking and orienteering and stuff like that it reminded me that i'm terrible with maps yeah i know you don't like direction very much it's it's more that i'm like i, like, I tend to do what i do in life with this game which is just like okay i've seen this map i'll put it down and i'll wander this way for a bit and just see where i end up um 
Like I, I get quite stressed out by maps, but you know, in this, in this, it was quite good. I liked the way that the map, that it moved, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't yeah. holding your hand in the sense that it was like giving you a trail of where you'd been going. Like you really had to follow that pinpoint and it wasn't making it easy for you, which was probably more realistic. Um, it definitely helped me when I actually did have to go to the jungle and use a compass to get around like <laughs> later in my life, uh, which, which was good. Cause I then felt like I was prepared for it. But yeah, it, it's very cool. It's very realistic. I I did I did enjoy it for for using a map, which I don't normally enjoy. It was it was okay. Yeah, I think that's it. It just it felt like a more natural way of navigating around stuff. And I think for a game that is pretty much solely about exploration and mm-hmm. uncovering stuff, it felt like a really nice connection to that. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, but I don't really have much else to say. I think we've talked about this game quite a lot in yes. terms of voice actors and all types of things. So um, I don't know if you want to mention anything. If not, I'll move on to facts. Um, I'd probably just quickly segue from what we were saying before in the sense that this also kind of has that eerie vibe to it because you're on your own um, a lot of the time. Although yeah. Delilah is on the walkie-talkie and she is accessible and she chats to you and I, I love the conversations, you do get that real big impending feeling of solitude um, which terrifies me, as you probably imagine, from everything I was saying about how I'm scared to be on my own. Um, like, being in this forest, in this huge national park, by yourself, in this this tower, which a lot of people do. It's a very normal thing that people do, like, a, a fire watch a person, whatever. Mm. Um, but it's that fear, it's that vulnerability, again, feeling so... Because there's a few points where, like, you see, like, a couple of strangers and you're getting weird vibes and you're like, oh, God, like, are they going to kill me? And just feeling quite vulnerable. And and I I like that. I like that it gives you that that slight eerie feeling because they could make you feel really safe. They could make you feel really safe in your little forest house and your little fire watch tower. But they don't. And I like that. And, uh, yeah, everything about it, the music... The atmosphere, the way it looks, the voice acting is completely on point. And honestly, I still hold this up as one of my favourite games of all time. Yeah, you're right. It is a fantastic, fantastic game. Um, and I agree, you do get that eerie feeling. And I think especially as you uncover some of the more mysteries and stuff and more of the stories you go along, that builds as well. Um and just the different things that happen. And I think even sometimes Delilah doesn't help you very much, you know? She... Although, even though your relationship can build, she's not sometimes always on the right side of stuff, I think, when you talk to her. So, no. yeah, it's interesting having having that dynamic. But it's okay, because you can also find a pet tortoise, so that can just serve as your friend. Who needs Delilah when you have a pet tortoise? Or be attacked by raccoons, you know. That happens, yeah, that yeah. happens, be warned. Mm-hmm. If you don't like raccoons, but I mean, who doesn't like raccoons? I love raccoons. Yeah, they're great. So, I have... A few facts that I don't think we've discussed in the many times we've discussed this game. I don't know about yeah, you. I was wondering whether I had covered these facts and I couldn't remember. So I will just go through them anyway. And then if I'm repeating yeah. myself, then people can yell at me for it. Um, I didn't realise, I think, that if you take pictures with a disposable camera in the game, you actually get those photos during the credits along with some other photos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that apparently. That's a very cool mechanic. Totally missed miss doing that i think i noticed it maybe when i was playing it when i finished it and went oh that's one of my photos oh i only took one of like the ground and that was it um <laughs> i think i took some of my tortoise yeah pro- oh probably the tortoise was a good key member of that um 
I my other one I definitely know we've spoken about one of the Easter eggs because um, there's quite a few in this game, but the other influence was that it was quite influenced by the game Gone Home, which is another walking simulator, mm-hmm. um, and it has a couple of shout outs throughout the game for it. But one in particular is that you can find this book called the accidental savior by terence l greenbar who is actually the father of the protagonist in gone home so yeah they really liked the game and i think they took a lot from gone home when it first came out so they wanted to give it a bit of a bit of a nod Mm -hmm. um and i think the other easter egg i've got we've talked about before and the fact that um there's a last of us easter egg with the university of eastern colorado in there but yeah, that's, that's the facts I had. Okay, so I had a couple that... Uh, one of them wasn't very interesting. I love my dull facts. My first dull fact is that the development team went on a camping trip to Yosemite National Park for inspiration, where they saw a lookout tower and were like, that's cool. And uh, they used it, so... Nice. Another fact that I've got is that the voice actors, uh, I think it was Sissy Jones, and I can't remember the first name of the guy, but I know his surname some Summer, um, who are amazing, by the way, and we talk about them in, I think, in our voice acting episode. They yeah. actually recorded their lines in separate studios. I think they were discussing meeting up and they were discussing doing it in the same one and everything. But I think the actors made a decision not to meet just because um, it would maintain the distance between the characters, which I thought was very cool. I thought that was a very mm-hmm. cool thing to do because obviously they were thinking, you know, we could easily just meet up and have a coffee and chat about this. Or, you know, but they were like, no, actually, if we don't do this and it could kind of be a bit more realistic, which I appreciated. Nice. Yeah, that is a that is a really cool fact. I have a fact that leads on now from what, the first fact that you said, Ooh. just to segue you, that I remember reading and I didn't put in here. But apparently, um, during that camping trip, I can't remember if they lost a hat or they found a hat. I think somebody lost a hat and then they put that lost hat in the game as an Easter egg that you could find. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Um, my other fact is, I'm not trying to give anything away, so what I'm going to say, if you've played this, you'll know, but there's an, a, in the ending kind of section of the game, there's there's a particular person, um, you don't see many people in the game, but there is a person in some sort of vehicle, um, and apparently they have the same face as the main character, Henry, because his face was the only face that was made for the game. <laughs> well, he is, like, the only person you see. Everybody else is yeah. done through, like, distance, like, or, you know notes or the walkie-talkie so even though you get semblance of people you never actually see anybody but that's hilarious my final fact is a fact that again every time i say a fact like this you'll know as soon as i say it that i never know if i'm happy about normally i'm unhappy about it (laughs) but on august 17th 2020 it was announced that campo santo was partnering with production company snoot entertainment to adapt the game into a feature film oh yeah I don't know if I'm happy about this. Hmm. Well, it just depends when it comes out, isn't it? It's one of those things where it's like, we've been burnt so many times, though, with video game movies. You know, even though we did a whole of them, they're never good. The only way that this will be good is they actually get the actor who voice acted for Henry, because he's an actor in himself. You'd know him if you saw him. Can't remember his full name. from Heroes and stuff like that. Yeah. He he basically probably looks like Henry. I mean, if he if he is if he is Henry, then I might be able to accept it. But it's still you hear the words 
game being made into a movie and you shudder most people shudder at that yeah um, mostly because i'm i'm not happy about what's happening with uncharted right now and i'm probably applying that to everything else in my life but uh we'll we'll see we'll see but that's a fact uh, fair enough nice it's a good fact so yeah um nice so because that would be number two technically i've still got my number three yes you do have your number three go for your number three Okay, so my number three I don't think is a crossover because I don't think you've played it. Oh, interesting. Which is a game called Tacoma. No, I haven't. I've seen yes. bits of it though, but yeah. Nice. So I've been desperate to mention this game. I think I previously mentioned it as an honourable mention. It may be one of my games that I played this year in 2020. Um, but it, I knew I knew it would come along some way that I could bring it up. Um, it is an adventure. It's titled as an adventure video game. It's 100% a walking sim. It was uh, made by Fulbright in 2017. So Fulbright is the same people who made Gone Home. So that kind of suggests that it is. It is full mm-hmm. walking sim, which is which is great. Not a bad thing at all. Yeah. So the difference between this one for a lot of other walking sims is that it is an exploration game which is set aboard uh, a space station, a spaceship, um, in the year 2088. And for, for a start, I love space. I love space. So. Great. So this, this kind of intrigued me. to When I heard it was a space walking sim, I was like, sign me up. So you play as a character, Amy, who has some kind of augmented reality device that allows her to review actions and conversations similar to that of what we were talking about in, in The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, in the sense that you basically get to, to watch things. She's ended up um, finding, or I think she meant to find it, this, this abandoned, or it seems to be abandoned space station. So she's going in and she's re-watching, reviewing conversations of the other characters that were on that, that space station. So part of the crew that were there. And, and you, I guess you're kind of thinking, well, I guess I'm investigating. You end up sort of looking into to why they've gone and you can kind of record fast forward and all this kind of stuff. It's very cool. It's more it's more of like it makes sense that you're able to do that. It's, it's yeah. like it's kind of creepy in the sense that you're re-watching these conversation these really intimate conversations as well a lot of them a lot of them are kind of like relationship wise between two people and things like that you're just watching these these lives but kind of feels like you're a bit of a peeping tom actually you're sort of just there like (laughs) tell me more (laughs) listening in to this one (laughs) this is an exciting development (laughs) um sorry i've just ruined the game um and my oven is beeping uh... (laughs) Um, i can hear your oven I'm so sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very cool. You get to go, ra- go around the space station. Again, a little bit spooky-wooky because, mm-hmm. as I said, with all walking sims, for some reason you're always by yourself. Always. It's a lonesome life, it seems, to be a walking sim. So, you know, you're, you're watching, you're, you're seeing all the stuff and, and trying to figure out what's happening. And, and it really intrigued me, actually, because in my mind, whenever I think of a space station that's abandoned, I'm thinking, right, it's fucking aliens. It's aliens, isn't it? Um, I'm not obviously not going to tell you what happens because that would be a spoiler, but it's really, really cool. And um, sort of exploring this the space station and just figuring it all out, it's just, oh, it's, it's wonderful. Honestly, I, I do recommend yeah. this one, probably more so than the others that I've spoken about so far, just because I think that it is a bit more polished right yeah i guess it's the second one for them so it's and stuff's developed from when this one came out i do remember when it came out there was a lot around it so yeah yeah i feel like a lot of people didn't like it but i think for me i got it for free it was an xbox game pass i think it's still on there 
And uh, and I was just like, it's one of those things where it's like, I got it. I didn't have any high expectations. I just dived in and I played mm-hmm. it and it was just, it was just really fun. And uh, I, as I said, can't really say any more than that, but it, I think it takes a lot of boxes for me. And uh, the end, the ending was cool. A lot of people were disappointed by the ending, but I think the ending was quite good. Nice. Yeah. Um, I've got a fact, only one. <laughs> it's not really a fact, actually. It's, it's just silly to call this a fact, but uh, it seems that, when they were making like Gone Home and stuff, uh, which obviously was a really, really good success, I think they said when their next game they wanted to sort of introduce a few more elements that could engage the player a bit more instead of sort of just walking around and just like reading letters and things. Mm-hmm. So that's why they kind of did the interactions and, and to make the player feel a bit more part of the story, um, which was inspired by um, apparently the character dynamics of the immersive play Sleep No More, where it seems that the audience members can choose what actors. Uh, to follow and determine like what actions they can do and determine important plot points for themselves so it allows the person like the audience to have more of a and I, I mean I feel like that used to be a thing when I used to read the old Goosebumps books because it would be like to yeah, make choose this choice story <laughs> yeah a bit like that I honestly can't quite see the choose your own story in Tacoma I'll be quite honest with you but it seemed that that they obviously were inspired by that somehow. Oh, and and I thought that was quite cool. Also just because I've never heard of Sleep No More and I, I like it. Yeah, that sounds a very cool play. Yeah. Um, that's it really. I don't have any more information than that. It was It's very hard to find facts on these games. I think because they're kind of, a lot of the time they're a bit smaller than a lot of other games. Yeah, it's a lot of indie developers that I think have mm-hmm. made all the sims. Kind of like we were going back to when we we're talking about Proteus wanting to be a, you know, a AAA game. It's just the size of the team. A lot of these games really are made by quite small teams and, you know, you just use what you're going to do and, you know, that's not designing a lot of mechanics. That's not creating stuff. That's maybe focusing on stuff you can, like, you know, yeah. narrative and, and things. And it works really well for them. I think it's it's a good plan. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it. Nice. Awesome. All right then, so I am on to my number two. Yes. I don't think I'm stealing anything else from you at this point. I'm slightly suspicious that we're going to have the same number one, so this is going to be interesting. So my number two is The Stanley Parable. I thought you'd pick this, and I'm glad you did. Nice, yeah. So Stanley Parable, I kept on switching this between my one and two, so I've gone with two for now. But um, Stanley Parable is, um, or was, originally a free mod for Half-Life 2, but eventually became its own standalone game, created by uh, Davey Rendon and um, William Pugh. It's a pretty very pure version of The Walking Sim. And I think the first Walking Sim... I ever played and actually I think the first type of this game that I ever played that really kind of awoken me a bit more to indie games and you know looking at games in a slightly different way than probably the AAA kind of level of stuff I think this was my little gateway drug into that world because I just loved this game Um, The game basically begins in a mysteriously abandoned office space like we were kind of saying there's nobody in there and everything feels like there should have been people in here just two seconds ago. You play as a character called Stanley who is narrated by the narrator as is a name narrator, uh, who's played by Kevin Brightening who we spoke about in our voice actor episode yes, we did. I believe, because 
He is a very humorous man. He does a lot with this role. He is probably one of my main favourite things about this game, if not the, the thing. You basically walk around as Stanley and you're guided by this narrator, but you can either follow him or contradict him. So, for example, if he tells you to take the door on the right and you take the door on the left, he will kind of start commenting on the fact that you've done that. Every slight thing that you do, he'll have something to say about it. And these choices get kind of incorporated into the game and into the story. And basically you end up with various different endings to happen to Stanley, depending on all of these different slight things that you choose to do. And most of them are literally like, I've gone down the left path instead of going to the right path. And it's really it's, cool. Yeah. It's very short. Like these, these kind of runs are over, I want to say in like half an hour each. It's never a very long game. But I think you get about 11 different endings and 11 different things that you can happen to Stanley. And they're all very different. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about this game is the fact that it, at the time especially, it felt so different to anything I played. It had a very different tone and atmosphere. The humour was so present in it. Felt a little bit like a Monty Python sketch. And it was just yeah. really surprising. There was a lot of surprising stuff that happens. A lot of weird things happen to you and a lot of surprising stuff. Um, it's just very funny mixed with some very dark sections. And it just works really well. Yeah, I never actually played it. I never played it, but it was around it was around the time that it came out was that YouTube playthroughs kind of like, you know, watch, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that was when they were all kind of happening around that time. So I watched so many people play it on YouTube. And uh and it did. It it was hilarious and really interesting and a really, really cool dynamic for the time. Something so new that hadn't been done before. And uh I I before this I didn't even think of it as a walking sim, but of course it is. Um, because all you do is walk, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I'm glad you mentioned it. I still it's still um it's one of those lists that I have in the back of my head of games that I really should play. But it's so hard sometimes because the game is quite old and I watched it so much that I feel like I can't play it now. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I know what you mean. It's like famous movies, right? This comes to a point where maybe you've missed a movie that everyone has watched and maybe you should have watched. But because it's parodies so much, you've watched so many clips over the years, yeah. you and you know basically what happens in this in this thing that you just don't bother because you're just like, well, why would I? I know what happens. <laughs> I pretty much exactly. know this whole movie. Yeah, so I can kind of see at this point what you have. But if you are slightly interested in it, I would try it out. Even if you just do it for a couple different endings and stuff like this, even if you don't do the whole crazy yeah. thing. I think I'll it's see how much it is on different. Steam. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it be very much now. The achievements in it are weird enough as it is. You have one achievement where you have to leave it on your computer unopened for seven years, I believe. So <gasps> the humour of it... No, that's one of them. It was like that's the humour of it was just really drilled into every single layer of it. And this was at the time we're talking about achievements. This was one of these things where it's like achievement hunting was at its like peak new thing that everyone did yeah i mean yeah I'll, I'll definitely i might put it on my steam wish list i think when i'm feeling in the mood to basically be ridiculed insulted by a, a very cool british man i'll uh i'll get it good because <laughs> that's basically what it is right yeah it's very you're basically getting just taken the piss out of um and i love it i love that humor it's fantastic um so yeah i like i said i i know so much about it from not but not playing it and, and yeah soon soon i will do it 
yeah, I think Steam wishlist on a sale is a good time. Yeah, good time to get it or a humble bundle or something like that. Yeah. I couldn't find very many facts about this game. I will say, I think I did manage to find one though that I'd never read before. A lot of the facts I know about this game that exists are very particular to playing the game and how you get certain endings and certain weird cheats and stuff that you can type into things. Um, so I didn't want to do those, but I did find one that was I'd never read before, and that is that the Stanley Parable appeared during an episode of the third season of House of Cards. Okay. A Netflix show where President Frank Underwood is being shown the game by a novelist and game reviewer who is writing a biography where the puzzling nature of the game's ability to contradict narrative elements was used as a metaphor for the current politics in the show's fiction. Nice. Yeah. So it was really weird that they used it in a whole episode to outline is, yeah, what was bizarre. going on in the, in, in the show. But it just feels like the most meta thing that possibly the Star and Parable could could have done. So I'm glad that it, it works really well. But yeah, that's my that's my only fact. But that's my my number two for the Town Parable. Yes. I had to mention it because it was my OG walking sim. Yeah. I like I like this. This has been quite a it's it's been I'm kind of like not surprised, but also it's it's been diverse enough that I'm happy that it's not just Good. been like beetle, beetle, <laughs> beetle. Because that would have been annoying. Yeah, I know what you mean. For sure. Um your so number my number two will have to be one that I'm slotting in because obviously Firewatch we both had. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give you the option, Steph. I'm going to say, I know what you're going to say, oh. but I'm going to say, do you want, because there'll be a really shit one that's slotted in here. Do you want one that we discussed before or one that I, we haven't discussed before? Oh, let's go one we haven't then. You're going to say that. I don't even know yeah. why I gave you the option. Why um, would you? So the one that we haven't discussed before is a game that I played very recently. It was on sale on the PS Store and I knew, I knew it was the the granddaddy of walking simulators and it was like two pounds and I was like, fuck it, let's do it. I didn't even know we were doing this at this point, but I was like, let's go. Um, And that is Dear Esther. Oh, nice. By the Chinese room again. No, it's one I, again, it's actually one of their ones that I'm like more tempted to play, I think. Yeah, so the Chinese room, if I am thinking correctly, was also the same people who did uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Yes. Yep. Cool, fact check there. Um, so it was, it came out probably, I think, in... <laughs> I'm Jump delaying this go. so that I can that look at Google, Google, go. I'll tell you do that about the Chinese room. Yeah, go on then. They were Brighton-based. Uh, they were a Brighton-based oh, thing. But I think they got cool. bought out by Sumo Studios, who are another UK oh. um, one. And um, I think they now moved to the to wherever Sumo lives, I think in Sheffield or up north somewhere. Okay, cool. But they were Brighton-based. Nice. Yeah, 2012. So it was around Fine. the same time as like yeah. they all sort of... The ones that we kind of define as Walking Sims started to kind of crop up. And... Uh, yeah, it was it's it's interesting. I would say that, you know, I, I made sure to know that it it is an old game and it is gonna be kind of, you know, less fancy mm. than than some of our ones that we get these days. Um the only thing that I had that was a real qualm that I'm just gonna say now is that you walk incredibly slowly, just like everybody's gone to the rapture, incredibly mm. slowly and you cannot speed up and it is a little bit frustrating sometimes. <laughs> 
by sometimes I mean all the time just yeah um it's very that can be quite frustrating but it's interesting it's beautiful it's a very beautiful and atmospheric game there is one part where you're like in these caves and honestly it was magical like just just the aesthetics of it all it was quite mesmerizing and I'm imagining that when it first came out it would have been even more amazing the story in itself is quite sad it seems very melancholic it's a very weird game Mm. I got to points where I was like, I have absolutely no idea what's happening. <laughs> but I'm wandering around this lovely island. I think it's set in the Hebrides, in the Hebridean island in Scotland, I think. Nice. And uh, it has this kind of, it has that feel to it. Like like you're, like you're stuck on some kind of island. Again, alone. Always With alone. alone. Forever alone. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's cool. I It didn't take long. It was a very, very quick game. And I think it was one of those games which started getting everybody talking again about the whole, is this a game or is this art? It's, mm-hmm. It it caused that conversation to happen again. And with this one, I would say that it is not my favourite. I've slotted it in there because I had to, because we've never spoken about it before. And I think it's good to get diversity um, because, it, as I said, it is the granddaddy of probably The Walking Sims. And it was cool. It was a spiritual successor to, I think, a lot of, a lot of these games that came after. And uh, it tells a story. And it's quite arty, and it and it, it does its job. It's it's cool. I, yeah, I don't know what much more to say on that. That's fine. I mean, we've just thrown it in there. We've made you throw yeah. something in. So it in. Fair. It's one, yeah, it's one I've seen a lot of pictures of, and it always looks very pretty. And I do want to play it at some point because I think, like you said, it's just kind of in that realm of that golden age, almost of Walking Sims when it came out. So yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. It's a good. Good We're paying our respects. There. Yeah, kind of <laughs> got to throw them in there. Yeah. Um, in that case, do you want to move on to some quick honourable mentions before yes, talking yes, about yes. what I think is going to be our collective number one? I know what's going to be our collective number one. Yeah. Um, you, you go first. All right. Well, we've mentioned two of them already, Gone Home and mm-hmm. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. The other two I wanted to mention was I've put Oxenfree in here because I feel like Oxenfree Ooh. is kind of a... That I disagree walking sim because no. you don't really do much other i'm than done i'm out podcast is over we're breaking oh, up oh, goodbye no, I've done it. <laughs> i want to know why you disagree with that because i don't remember doing anything other than walking around and talking to people very much you do walk around but i think the dialogue options for me take it away from being a walking sim because you actually get to choose responses um that's literally it for me it feels kind of like a weird platformer side scrolling horror game i don't know it just it's i'm not like angry i'm obviously joking but for me i think that one like another couple that i've got here um verge on the very outside of like yeah i agree with you with verges but i think you maybe there is some classing in there because i think there's some other ones that have those crossovers that we've maybe mentioned Mm. so um the only other one i've got which again has some elements in it to it was the one i've mentioned fairly recently called east shade and yes, which that was in my honorable mentions as well. Nice. Yeah, about painting for weird owl people. Yes, I actually really love it. And uh, I nice go game. into it when I'm feeling like I need to escape to a nice relaxing place. Same. I think the reason why it verges is just because you get to like paint. So there's these kind of objectives in, in place. You don't really have to paint. You literally just press a button. But yeah. there is a few more mechanics there. And there's people around because, because apparently... By our definition of walking sim, you're meant to be alone. <laughs> I mean, that's silly. I, I think walking sim should could have people in it. It's fine to have people in, but it those, those it, but it seems to be that that is the way for some reason. Those are the enjoyable ones that we seem to like, except yeah. hate at the same time. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's all the honourable mentions I had. Who, who else did you have? 
Um, so obviously I had Dear Esther in there. I had Gone Home as well. Gone Home was a good game. I'm meaning to replay it. I didn't love it when I first played it, but I know that a lot of people say if you go back to it, um, mm. you'll enjoy it. I think it's because when I played it, I thought I was playing a horror game. And I think I was disappointed that it wasn't a horror game because, you know, I love horror. Yeah. Um, but actually inside of it, it's just a really cool story, which I need to replay. Um, E-Shade, obviously. Uh, the other one I've got in here, which apparently is a walking sim, which when I first read it, I nearly spat out my tea, which is <laughs> Layers of Fear, which I kind of get. You don't I really do one. anything. Yeah, I thought that one a couple times on these lists and I've not really played much past the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of it so because mm. I'm a whip. But yeah, you don't really do anything in it, right? So walking sim it is. I guess some parts you maybe are to cool puzzles in some ways, but then not the second one maybe more. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like I don't feel it doesn't feel good in my tummy to call it a walking simulator. I'll just say that much. But you know, yeah. I'm mentioning it anyway. I also I'm breaching the lines of what we normally do, and I'm gonna say that here are some games that I want to play that aren't on mentions, but I want to play Ooh. them, which is Abzu, which apparently is I really fantastic. want to play Abzu. Um and Ether One, I think it's called. That sounds like quite a cool, a cool game. So nice. yeah, that's. I'm just just thought I'd shove it in there. Oh, I like it. I like I like that new segment. I'm gonna follow yes. that up by saying there was one I found today called uh, Virginia, which looked very interesting. Oh, that does so, look good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like that. I like that okay. addition. All right, then number one. It is my number one. I'm not even gonna do Beetle because I know we're just gonna do this together now, and that you is. You have to do Beetle. Okay. Uh, so my number one then is What Remains of Edith Finch. Yep. Oh! Of course. Of yeah. course. We've spoken we've... about this game a lot. <laughs> yeah, we have spoken about this game. So we won't do too much of it. But it's Giant Sparrow again. Same people who did the Unfinished Swan mm-hmm. in 2017. I think this was their kind of follow-up for it. Um, in this game, you visit the Finch home, which is on an island called Orca's Island, which sounds like the most adorable place that I need to go and live. And you, in a very roundabout way, explore each member of the Finch family um, through going through this home. Yes. Yeah. It's it's such a cool house. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the house. Like, it, the way to describe it is, is almost like... I, it's like a, a, a form of, like, tunnels and, like hidden things and it, it feels like almost like a little bit spooky in a way but it's like this kind of windy so much character in in this house like so much life lived and it's not real obviously but they really make you feel like this house has been lived in mm-hmm. like it's 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 spooky in some ways i think because you're in this kind of again like we were saying eerie kind of house where it feels like people have already been there been living there and you're just suddenly there yeah but um I fucking love it. Like the rickety walkways, the ladders, the tree houses. Like, oh, love it. I, yeah. I, I'm just going to spout about how much I love this game. <laughs> no, it's great. You're right. I completely forgot about that house, but you're right. It's very much like a, if you took like a very um, classic old um, Northern America kind of home and then had a family living in it for years and years and years and they never moved out generation to generation and just slowly tacked things onto it, like just built weird sections but did them themselves so they're all kind of like you said rickety and weird and they're just like oh, i don't know it reminds me a bit like the, what i would expect the adams family to live in if they were a little bit more yeah. sunny as a, yeah. as a as a group <laughs> this is my yeah, the, so yeah even just going first off the atmosphere and the the aesthetics of it alone are perfection yeah it's great and 
So as you go through this house, kind of exploring the family, this is all told from Edith Finch, is you hear the voice and, you know, you're just kind of going through, going through with her to this, to this house and thinking about all your family members and stuff that you... You're trying so hard not to spoil it. Want to it. I, know, right? <laughs> I can sense it. Um, it's, it's a thing, yeah, you're going through. And you're, yeah, I think the main thing is just to focus on is that you're learning about each member of the Finch yes. family. And I think it's fair to say that they're a very interesting bunch uh, and they seem to be inflicted by some sort of curse that causes all but one <laughs> member of the generation to die in an unusual way. I did not expect you to say that, but... <laughs> I don't think... No, that's not spoiling anything, though. That's generally, like, in the main no, section. yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't know how spoily we were going. But, yeah, there's there's definitely, like, the element of, like, obviously kind of morbidness involved. But the rooms, as you were saying, like, of all the, the members are, are fantastic because each and every room really sets up for that person's character, their storyline, that plot. Um, and it, it feels like you're in their own little world every time you go into the different room and it's it's just been done so fantastically um because there i guess there is in some ways like it's not really little mini games because it's rare that you'll really ever have to do too much in them but it kind of like these little almost like presents these are almost like mini game presents within the little rooms that you you kind of get to explore and the way it tells you about the character throughout these little like mini game type things and it's it's so cool this the way that they've story told all of it um was mesmerizing really yeah you're right it is but i think it's for me the best part about this game is just in the visual way in which they tell you about each family member it's not you walk into their room you pick up some couple of pieces of paper and you read them to learn about this person it's you find something and then you're told some sort of visual story or mini gamey type thing or you know you watch something and i think that's really interesting i think my favorite one is lewis finch who is dealing with the fish and there's a thing that you do yes. with your controls and it just feels very interesting and it works its way into the narrative really well like they blend those two really nicely mm. i think um and there's lots of them like that's kind of the the whole thing is you're learning about these people and this family um and i think what's really nice as well is not only you kind of learning these stories but you're guided by edith as well she's talking um, but you kind of get this, you know, narration from her, but also parts of her words and stuff start appearing in scenes and stuff like that. And they kind of point you in the right direction. So it doesn't feel too handholdy, but there's some nice direction. Like it's a little bit better, like what we were saying with Ethan Carter, where you are kind of left a little bit too much to your own device. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like you need a little bit more narration or a little bit more guidance. Whereas this has this nice balance of doing it in a very visual way, as well as kind of some supporting yeah. you know, voice acting and stuff. I would say as walking simulators go, I think this is the one that has nailed it the most. Um, obviously, it's our number one. So we, we believe that. Um, but yeah, in, in the sense that it doesn't handhold too much, it allows you to explore a little bit by yourself, because I was definitely doing that. Like, as soon as I got into that house, I was like, I'm going to explore every segment I can until I then progress, like, a little bit further. I'm, like, looking yeah. at everything, and, and uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's so good. Like, I, I think that I if they do another game soon, like, if they make one similar, like, I'd probably just be like, take my money, and just, and, you know, I wouldn't even need to know what it's about. Yeah, I think that's fair. It is just very well, well done. Um, 
throughout really and i think like you said it's like although it is a walking sim and maybe you could argue that it starts crossing the line with some of these extra bits like it doesn't it's very odd like it's just a very odd thing you don't feel like you've been walking around for hours in this game well really you're have. alone so apparently that means it's a walking sim yeah that nails it <laughs> any any game now that when you're alone. actually no it's not true because it could be a puzzle game um yeah Nice. Um, do you have any facts? I think I've got like one or two. Um, I think we've spoken about a lot of facts before for this and there's a lot of facts that spoil it. But I kind of just uh, found out that it won um, quite a few awards, actually. It won the British Academy Games Award for Best Game 2017, the Best mm-hmm. Narrative Category um, at both the 2018 Game Developers' Choice Awards and the Game Awards 2017, along with other nominations and awards. And I, th- I think it was well earned. The only other fact that I've got was that apparently, so, the, so before I go on to this, this game has a bit of a spooky vibe. Most walking <laughs> sims for me apparently have a spooky vibe. A lot of people don't say that it did, but for me it did because, again, I didn't know anything about what this game was about. I enjoy going into these completely blind. I'm in a creepy house. It's a little bit spooky. And I thought, what's happening? I'm going to get murdered. Um, yeah. And so for me, there is a bit of a spooky vibe. But the game actually did start out titled as The Nightmare of Edith Finch. And its Ooh. green light trailer had a spookier nature to it, such as you exploring the house mostly in the dark with a flashlight. But the team eventually backed off this idea um, and to sort of get rid of the eeriness. Um, keeping a little bit like of feeling a little bit of unease, but generally yeah. having it as more of a, a narrative based thing, not a horror narrative. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fair to say, like I said before, like you are exploring, a, you know, beat stories and each of these stories about, you know, members and they have, some of them have died. So it's like, you know, there's a dark tone in those things that's yeah. not really hidden. So you can kind of see that that darkness coming in for sure. Yeah, but yeah that's all my facts. Nice. I mean, you took um, my first one about the, um, the, all the awards and no, it's fine. It's a good fact. Um, the only one other one that I wanted to mention because it ties in with something else that we talked about earlier. And that is in one of the bedrooms on the wall, you can see a painting of some yellow footprints on a white and black splattered room. Um, which is basically a nod to the unfinished swan, which was another one of their games. So it's like the unfinished one style um, of painting this room, which I thought was cool. That is very cool. Um, But yeah, that was the only other fact that I had that I thought we probably haven't mentioned. And as you said, it kind of starts to talk too much into spoilers of this game, because if you've not played (laughs) it, you should. It's a good... Definitely, yeah. Especially if you don't really know much about Walking Sims and you kind of want to delve into the world of it, I'd say this is probably a nice place to start. For sure, yeah. Start at number one. And see if you like them and then, then you can Yeah, if you don't like that. this, then you definitely will not like the rest. <laughs> You're going like to say. Yeah, no hope. Um, but yeah, perfect. Nice. All right, well, that's our full episode about talking about Walking Sims. It was I think fun. we learned a lot about Walking yeah. Sims today. I think Most we learned time some. You're alone. <laughs> yeah. Also, I still don't feel like I really know what a walking sim is. So maybe I've no. learned nothing. We, uh, but we're not here to tell people things like that. We're yeah, not. We're not necessarily experts. I mean, we don't you are, I suppose. But... I'm, I'm not. I don't claim to know anything. <laughs> I'm not a designer in that sense. Yeah. I'm a graphical designer. I'm not a designer. designer. But I feel like we've pinpointed things that we like about walking sims and that we don't like. And one of the things that I do not like is walking slowly. So anyone here is developing a game or a walking sim, please 
don't let make me walk too slowly because I'll cry. Make sure they've got their speed walking like <laughs> shoes on. And no astronauts jumping from bushes, please. Yeah, that's just creepy. No, no needlessly creepy stuff. All right, guys. No, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Anyways. Yep, so that's the end of the episode. Where can they find all of the stuff about us, Nikki? GameTill5.com Yeah. That's it, really. I mean, you can go on Twitter, Instagram, but it's all GameTill5, so I just mean, search it. Yeah. If you go to GameTill5.com, you'll have a link to everything, anything that we do. So that's yeah. all covered. And if you really want to do something nice for us, we would appreciate any review left on any place, any platform, even if it's on a toilet, public toilet, Take a picture of it and send it to us because I would love that. <laughs> Me too. Um, go for it. I mean, I mean we don't appreciate any review. Kids. <laughs> yeah, no, don't don't graffiti. We're not we're not endorsing that. Do not deface any public areas with our Game Till Five logo. I do not want to knock <laughs> at the door of being like, um, I feel bread here. It's okay, they don't know where we live. That's true, actually. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Do whatever you want, everybody, in the name of Got Till 5. <laughs> Game Till 5. Do did it you got just till say five. Got Till 5? I fucking did. I can't believe you've done this. This is truly <laughs> the breakup. This is it. I'm out. I'm slamming the door. That was actually my old wine. <laughs> Goodbye, then. I slammed then. it in anger. Do it in the name of Game Till 5, not Got Till 5. Yeah. That. And with that, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Wonderful.